0: Welcome to the Emerging Temple broadcast for October 21st, 2019. I am Michael Obeya. I will be your guide for the rest of this broadcast. At Emerging Temple, we seek to analyze current events within the context of God's plan for mankind, a plan in which he intends, at the end of time, to establish a government here on earth with which some of us will be called to rule with Him. Okay, before I go any further, I want to encourage you once more to like our page, to subscribe to our channel and to share our videos with your family and friends. Also, I would like to ask you to go to Patreon.com where you will be able to support us by looking for our handle Emerging Temple. Okay. All right. Um, today is Monday, October 21st, like I told you, and we have something that's been trending and I would like to talk about, and that's the question about
1: the Trinity. Does the Scripture tell us that there are three persons? That make one God. Is there
0: God the Son, God the God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost as three distinct persons making one God? Or is there God who is Father, who is Son, and who is Holy Ghost? Before we go any further into this topic, I'd like to let you know where I stand on this. Now, this is a critical topic that a lot of ministers, a lot of Christians, they kind of avoid this topic because anyone that holds the contrary view is close to being declared a heretic. It's like, it's almost like something that Jesus Christ himself said, and you're holding an alternate view or something. But the truth is, Jesus never used the word Trinity, neither did anyone in scripture, and nothing that he said, or any of the apostles have said, would give a guaranteed certainty that they were referring to three distinct persons. Um, So let's look through Scripture and see what Scripture actually says, remembering that in certain things that have to do with faith, just knowing it by reading will not satisfy many. So at the end of this broadcast, there is no certainty on my part that I would have convinced many, but today should be a kind of marker for you to use as a day of remembrance in that it is the day that you began to get scriptural backing and um,
1: spiritual conviction from someone else that there isn't a Trinity, but that there is one God who is Father, who is Son, and who is the Holy Ghost.
0: Before we go any further, let's look at the alternate perspective and let's listen to what some people who believe in Trinity, where they stand so it's fair, so that they can speak for themselves. Okay, And later on, I will share some scriptures that I think can
1: be read and connoted to support the idea of the Trinity. So why don't we just take a look at this? video here. Okay. Well, today, we're starting a four week series on the Trinity. We're calling it
2: making sense of the Trinity. I'm in the studio with Pastor Ross Ross, can we even make sense of the Trinity?
3: Well, the answer is yes and no, we can understand how to articulate the idea we can understand how the Bible teaches it. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, it's a mystery. Mm -hmm. And that's really our first
0: topic, right? Now, I want you to hear what the first thing he said, he
1: said, his answer, this is somebody who supports Trinity, he says the answer is yes and no. Friends, in God, it's either yes or no. Jesus said, let your
0: yes be yes and your nay, nay. Okay? But I'm not holding him to that because maybe he's just trying to find some way to articulate it. Okay? But from that statement, you can tell that good people can have different perspectives about this, and that doesn't mean you're a heretic or an outcast. It's a great mystery, okay? And you have to meditate on it, and God himself has to give you certainty on what the truth about it is, okay?
3: Uh, The Trinity as a mystery, really the mystery of God.
2: Yeah, so what we're going to be doing in this series, if you're following along at home, is we're going to, in this first lesson, we're going to talk about the paradox and the mystery of God, and then we're going to talk about the first part of the definition of the Trinity, that mm-hmm. God is one. Right. Then in week three, we're going to talk about the second part, which is that God is three, three persons. persons. Mm-hmm. And we're going to finish up with uh, just some final thoughts on the Trinity and how that how that whole thing works. Right. The deity of the God. The deity and, of all
3: the persons. Yeah. yeah. That's
2: right. So again, it's it's four it's a four week series if you want to go through this entire one with your group or your mentor. But let's let's get back to the this kind of framing concept that God cannot fully be understood can he mm-hmm.
3: right right so the trinity is a tough thing a lot of people struggle with it because it is beyond our rational comprehension mm-hmm. but i think about job god challenged
0: job right job's mm-hmm. trying to figure out you heard what he said he said understanding the doctrine of the trinity of understanding the concept of trinity is beyond our rational
1: understanding That means he is acknowledging that a normal person could or might be unable to understand the idea. That means if you
0: don't believe in it, there's not necessarily anything abnormal about you. I want you to take note of that, but if you believe it, Then you're certainly not using your rational mind to understand it. That is not to say that you must use your rational mind to understand the things of God. You need to use your spiritual mind to discern the things of God. The question is if you believe in the Trinity or you do not believe in the Trinity, have you used your spiritual mind to discern what you
1: do believe? Or do you believe what you believe? because you were told that by someone else, okay? food for thought.
3: Challenged Job, right? Mm -hmm. Job's trying to figure out God, and God challenged Job in Job 11, verse seven. He says to Job, can you solve the mysteries of God? Mm -hmm. Can you discover anything about the Almighty? Mm -hmm. And the answer to both those questions really is no. Mm -hmm. We can't really solve the mystery of God. Mm -hmm. We can't discover anything on our own. All we know about God is what he's chosen to reveal uh, to us about himself. And so God's beyond the comprehension of our intellect mm-hmm. and the, it's a mystery in that sense.
2: Mm-hmm. So is it even worth trying? Why, why even do this series? Why even talk about the Trinity? Yeah, that's
3: a great question. Some people might just throw up their hands and say no. But mm-hmm. the thing is, it, it's worth it to know God. If there's anything that we could exercise our mental capacity on, really it would be the knowledge of God because knowing God is...
0: I can't disagree with him here. I agree with him 100% here. He said, if there's anything you can use your minds to do, is to think about God. What we're doing right now is pleasing to God. Whether you're on this side or that side, the fact that you are rubbing minds with someone, that you disagree, you don't believe in the Trinity, or you believe in the Trinity, God loves that. The Bible says that those that love God spoke to one another about God daily. And the book was opened in front of God And their names were written there. So whether you're on this side or that side, that's not what matters. What matters is that you love God and you want to speak about him with your brother, with your sister. You want to disagree because you're convinced in some other way. And I agree with what he said there. So that's an aside. What we're doing is not a waste of time. There is spiritual benefit to what we're doing. Actually, debating this topic, there is a benefit to debating this topic.
3: God is the foundation for everything. He's mm-hmm. our creator. Mm-hmm. So he made the world. He made everything the way it is. And if we don't know him, we don't know our destiny. We don't know our identity. We don't know the world that we live mm-hmm.
2: in. Okay, so the idea of the Trinity, I know some people are going to be watching this and saying, wait a second. I know that the tr- you can't even find Trinity in the Bible. I look in right. my concordance <laughs> at the back of my Bible and I can't find the concept of the Trinity in there at all. So clearly... This whole thing is a farce. We're making it up. This is some conspiracy from the Christians for two thousand
3: years. Right, right. So the the word Trinity is not found in the Bible. Mm-hmm. There's no proof text, but the idea of the Trinity, mm-hmm. the idea of that we'll explain as we go, the threeness of God, mm-hmm. three and oneness of God. That idea is throughout the whole Bible from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. It's not like there's just this key verse or not a footnote or something where you can right. say, oh, boom, that that does it. But when you take all that the Bible reveals about God the Trinity is really the ultimately the only way to make sense out of it all. Mm-hmm. And we see it from start to finish manifest in different ways. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. So one one last kind of, I, th- I would say this is a major point as people are studying this, because I know that this can be a, an area of debate, of great debate. Some people can really struggle to wrap their mind around the Trinity, even as we're starting this series. Ross, is this is this a salvation issue? In other words, can can someone be saved and not grasp the Trinity, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think the answer is yes mm-hmm. because someone, nobody has to know everything about God or everything yeah. about theology or whatever in yeah. order to respond to the gospel invitation of mm-hmm. grace. You know, but as you grow in your faith, you will come to understand the Bible more and more and mm-hmm. you will eventually, as a true Christian, you will eventually come to the
0: place where this is what you believe. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to. Did you hear that? He started off by saying, the guy asked him a question, says, does someone have to believe in the Trinity to be a Christian, to be saved? He says, no, 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 no. He said, but if you're a Christian and you're saved, eventually you will have to come to believe in the Trinity, okay? Now, there's a problem with that, okay? And when I begin to analyze this, I will let you know what the main problem with that is, okay? Let's go on.
3: So you don't have to have it all down first in order to, to have a defining moment of faith. Now, I would say that this, this it would be hard for me to say that someone is a Christian if they understood the Trinity and denied it.
2: Hmm. That's good. Okay, so uh, what would you say to the person who's, who's starting in on this series and they're saying, um, I don't I don't really I don't really buy the concept of for whatever reason maybe maybe doctrinal teaching some other church that they were a part of I don't really buy the concept of the Trinity what what words would you have for them as we start this series? Yeah,
3: I just say stick with us because what we're really going to do in the, in the in the next three um, uh, videos is we're going to really define it and show how it is biblical. And so ultimately, if you're committed to the Bible or you believe at least initially that the Bible has some truth or it really is the the way to understand God, then you're going to see that even though it's hard for us to grasp it rationally, that the Trinity still makes sense in that in that way, that it is the biblical teaching.
1: Okay. Okay. All right. So let's let's deal with this. Now, according to this guy. If you're a believer, even if you begin by not believing the
0: Trinity, at some point, you will become a believer in the Trinity. If you don't, then you're not really a
1: believer. Okay. So by his definition, he goes on to say, if you understand the concept
0: or the idea of the Trinity, you know what, what people are trying to say about it, what people like he teach about it, and you still reject it. You rejected Christ. You, he doubts your salvation.
1: So he would doubt my salvation because he believes something that is not explicitly
0: stated in the word of God, which he says is not explicitly stated, If I reject what he thinks about it, I'm not saying. Well, the truth is, I don't care what he thinks about my salvation, to be honest. And for those of you who probably know me personally, you know that's true. I don't care about that. But I do care about those of you out there who want to get to know better. And I want to give you the opportunity of both sides. Because this is what I found. When I got to know and understand that God is Father, he also is the Son and he also is the Holy Ghost. My relationship with him became more personal. That's what happened with me. So that I want you to understand that there is something about getting to get a
1: direct understanding that God is Father, Son, Holy Ghost. He is not three persons. One um, pedestrian or profane way to look at it would be
0: to say, here is a man. He's the president of a country.
1: He's a father of someone and he is a husband of another person. What is he? Is he a father? Is he a husband? He's a brother to somebody. Whatever he is, brother, father, um, um, husband, he's still the president. Okay, he's still the president, all right? Now, let's take things chronologically. Do you know that the concept
0: of Trinity as a biblical Christian belief did not exist until the year 325 AD? This was 300 years after Jesus had ascended up into heaven. What I just said to you is a fact. Now, how do you confirm whether what I said is a fact? You go and you research something called the Nicene Council. N-I-C-E-A-N Council. C-O-U-N-C-I-L. Nicene Council of 325 AD, led by Roman Emperor Constantine. And there they wanted to come up with one religion for the empire. And they had to come up with what they believed and did not believe. And one of the things that they argued over was whether they would believe in God being one person with three offices or three manifestations or God being three persons in one office. Well, they chose the latter. And that went with the Roman church. And remember, there was no Catholic church at this time. The Catholic church doesn't come into existence. Until 1054 A.D., all right. So the what today you call the Orthodox Church, the Orthodox Christian churches of Ethiopia, Russia, um, um, Egypt, Antioch, Syria, etc. All these churches and Rome, the the Orthodox Church of Rome were all one church up until 1054. Even though they broke up at 1054, they still keep this doctrine from 325 AD. Now, what happened with the Roman Church? The Roman Church continued from 1054 AD when it broke up from the others. And about 1530 or thereabouts, the the Roman Church broke up again into two other pieces, multiple pieces, but two major ones I want to talk about. The one in Germany and the one in England. The one under Martin Luther and the one under Henry VIII. Okay, for different reasons. But from the one in England and the one in Germany, we today have the evangelical movement and consequently the charismatic and the Pentecostal movement. But these doctrines we follow as Pentecostals, as charismatics, as Baptists, as whatever. We have never asked ourselves, where did it come from? We just inherited it. Because we believe that what Constantine put together in 325 AD, a Roman emperor, is actually a church. You know, once that's how you think, there's, it's really a tough job. It's an uphill slug, okay? So if you don't know that this thing started somewhere, some Roman emperor was the one that came up with the concept of Trinity, not the Bible, then there's a problem, okay? So if you didn't know before today, you know today that Emperor Constantine of Rome, okay, who Istanbul is named after, by the way, okay, Emperor Constantine of Rome was the person who gave us the doctrine of the Trinity, not the Bible, okay? Let's remember that. Now, let's be, at the end of this, I'm going to give some scriptures that, you know, a few scriptures that I think kind of would give somebody the impression that there's a Trinity and those that would also make it clear that God is
1: one God, okay? So let's look here at, um, let's look at what the book of Colossians says. This is the apostle Paul writing the book of
0: Colossians chapter one from verse three, okay? It says, we give thanks to God and the father of our Lord Jesus Christ praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which you have to
1: all the saints, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof you have heard, whereof
0: ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit, that means it's changing your lifestyle, as it doth also in you, since the day ye heard of it and knew the grace of God in truth, as he also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister
1: of Christ. Okay. Now, I just want, I want to um, stick with something here, which is, um, okay, let's go further down, go further down, okay. Yeah, from verse 12 says giving thanks unto the
0: father who hath delivered us who hath made us meet who has made us worthy to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light which who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood even the forgiveness of sins who is what the image of the invisible god the firstborn of every creature Now, no creature was born, okay? All creatures were, I mean, by God. All creatures were created by God, okay? But when He says Jesus is the firstborn, okay, of God, he's saying, talking about what happened when he came into this world and resurrected. But the key thing we want to, it's not that, what we want to concentrate on is this thing where it says he's the image of the invisible God. What does this mean? Okay, let me come out of this, okay, for a second. What does this mean when he says he's the image of the invisible God? The Bible says God dwells in light, whom no man has seen nor can see. The Bible also tells us that one of Jesus' disciples, a man called Philip, when Jesus was trying to teach him this thing and teach the others, he was confused and said, oh my, master, this is confusing. Just show us the Father and that will be enough for me. And Jesus looked at him and said, "Philip, have I been so long
1: with you and you don't recognize me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father." Now, what does this mean?
0: This simply means that when God the Father wants to interact with you and I, the only way you and I can know we have seen him is when we see his son. You know what The manifestation of God the Father is the Son of God. I'll say that again. The manifestation of the Father is the Son. If you do not see the Son, you do not see the Father. There are no two different people. When the Father appears to you, what you see is the Father. You don't see anything else, you don't see anybody else. The manifest presence. Of God is who you and I call Jesus Christ. The Bible says, In him dwelleth the fullness of
1: the Godhead bodily. We didn't say he's a part of the Godhead. No, the Godhead is in him. Jesus told Peter, he said,
0: or told the disciples, he said, Go into the world, commanding men to repent and to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. This is what Jesus told Peter. When Peter did his first baptism in the book of Acts chapter 2, I believe it's verse 28, Peter said to the people, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ
1: of Nazareth. I thought God just, Jesus just told him, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the
0: Holy Ghost. But Peter baptized them in the name of Jesus Christ. Why isn't he obeying
1: God? Guess he was. He was. Because the name, not names, the name
0: of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, the triune God, is Jesus Christ. That is the name above all names. That is the name of God Almighty. Okay? So it's not three persons. It's one person. And anytime you see him, If you do see him, you're going to see Jesus Christ. There will never be a time you're going to see Jesus Christ here. You're going to see this person here, that person there. There's nothing like that.
1: Okay? This is just some philosophy that was created by the Romans 325 AD. Okay? And by the way, you need to be able not just
0: to take my word, You need to be able to take time out to sit down with your friends and share this this video and discuss what I'm saying and go over the scriptures I'm going to give you, okay? Go go over them so you can understand. You know, you can put your heads together. You can rub minds and the Holy Spirit will be there. Just Christ said, wherever two or three are are together in my name, I'll be there. How is he going to be there? By the Holy Spirit. So wherever Jesus is, the Holy Spirit is there. All right, okay, let's see if I can have um, this for you. Let's look at Ephesians. No, let's look at John chapter 14. Okay, let's look at John chapter 14, verse 28. Jesus says, You have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. Did you hear that? Jesus says, He's going away and coming again. He went away as the Son, but He came back as who? The Holy Ghost. What is a ghost?
1: Everybody says ghost, ghost, ghost. What is a ghost? Yeah? Let, me, let, me, let me look at you guys. What is a ghost? Is it a ghost? The spirit of somebody who was once alive? But well, this is the holy ghost. Ghost. It means it's the spirit of a man who once was here. Okay? Just remember that. Okay, just remember that. So, verse 28, Jesus says, You have heard how
0: I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If you loved me, you would rejoice, because I said, I go unto the Father. For my Father is greater than I. Now, (laughs) when you read that you go like
1: Mike Jesus just said his father is greater than he how can he be the same how can he be the same person okay now listen Moses asked God if he could see God and God told Moses look the day you see my face you will die do you remember that okay Somewhere in the book
0: of Exodus, I think we spoke about this last week, it talked about how God used to speak with Moses as a friend, face to face. So which one is it? Did Moses talk with God face to face or he did not? Okay, all right. So when Moses saw God face to face, the person he spoke with was who? Let me hear it, Jesus Christ. Why? Because that is when God steps down to a lower frequency so you can comprehend him. If he doesn't do that, he is completely incomprehensible to you and you can never have a relationship with him. That is why Jesus says, without him, you can have no relationship with God. Because for you to have a relationship with God, God has to come. I mean, think about, you're talking about somebody who's everywhere at the same time. We're talking about somebody who's
1: not even in time. How do you relate with a person like that? He has to give you the grace to be able to
0: comprehend him. And that of him that you do comprehend is what we call
1: Jesus Christ, okay? Who proceeds from the Father. But the Father in totality is greater than the Son. The Son is that aspect of God
0: that he brings forth for you and I to be able to communicate with him by it. I said, no man commit unto the Father except by me. What do you think he's
1: talking about? You want to try to get with God without Christ? Mission impossible. It's never going to happen.
0: Friends, we need to meditate more and more on this Jesus Christ and who he is, the mystery of this man and what he has done for us. Okay, it's unbelievable. I mean, if we understood what Jesus done for us, we wouldn't even go to work. We'll spend every day just talking about him. I'm serious. We will just spend all every day, morning, noon, and night, we'll fall asleep, we'll wake up, we we'll say, Okay, where did we end? And we'll continue. That's what Jesus is. Once you think about him, what he is, what he has done for us. That's why it says, even though he was God, remember in the book of I think Philippians, I believe, it said, even though he was God. He considered equality with God, not something that people could comprehend. So he made himself of no reputation, humbling himself even to the death of the cross, making himself just like you and I, just so we can have a relationship with him. That's love. That's love. Love made God come down to the level so that he can at least interact with this people, this person that he loves so much. You and I. Okay. Now, I said I was going to give us some scriptures. I don't want to forget it before I, you know, keep going rambling on. Some scriptures that I felt, you know, would support. Oh, well, wait, you know what? I think I have, um, yeah, I have one more scripture to read. I don't know if we read this already. I have one more scripture, the book of Ephesians. Okay. All right. So this is the Apostle Paul talking about his knowledge in God. Verse two says, If you have heard of the dispensation, that's the gift of the grace of God, which is given me. To you were. That means the gift that God gave him for us. Verse 3, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and preachers by the Spirit. That word prophet there means preachers. Verse six, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Unto me, whom am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. That means, the non-ending riches of Christ, and to make all non-ending riches and knowledge of Christ, verse 9, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world has been hidden God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. I want you to understand what this, oh God, I wish, oh my God. I, I Listen, you friends, you gotta, you got to understand. It says, he created all things by Jesus Christ. What does that mean? Did God create all things or did Jesus create
1: all things? God created all things in the person of Jesus Christ. Do you understand? He
0: created all things in the person of Jesus Christ. That's why we say Jesus Christ is saying yesterday, today, and forever. Okay. Jesus existed before he was born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. He just manifested in time. 2,000 years ago. Do you know the scriptures say he died for our sins before the world began? What kind of man is this we're talking about? Huh? What kind of personality is this? You think we can understand such a personality with logic? says, you know what? He mentioned the Father. He mentioned the Son. mentioned the Holy Ghost. Hmm, logically, that means three persons. No. No. The Bible doesn't say that okay? And even if, remember what I said, even if you believe in the Trinity, I'm not saying you're going to hell. I'm not saying God is unhappy with you. No, I'm saying it acts as a kind of um, obstacle in your growth and knowledge of the depth of
1: God. That's what I am saying. Okay? That's what I am saying. And that you, if you, if you are convinced that that's
0: true, that's okay. Continue it until if God decides he wants to show you better. But if you're continuing it because you're concerned about what other people think about you, what your pastor thinks about you, what your wife thinks about you, what your friends in church think about you, you've missed the boat, friend. Because if you're seen clearly and other people are not seen, it just might not be their time. And when their time comes, they'll take their ride, but you'll be left behind because you missed your time. Okay? So I did promise to give us some scriptures that I felt, you know, might
1: make a person believe that, um, you know, the whole concept of um, Trinity was scriptural and those that might counter it. Okay, So, so I just named this presentation, the doctrine of Trinity, three persons make one God, question mark. Okay, so scriptures that seem
0: to support the concept of the idea of Trinity. John chapter one, verse one to two, it says in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. So when you read that with God,
1: your mind automatically goes into the mode of, you know, two separate entities. Okay, the
0: word that is used there is not in English we say word, but the Greek word is logos, which is a bit more than word. It has to do with like reason. The the word in the beginning, that thing there should be more like in the beginning was the reason. The reason was with God, and the reason was God. Reason. Huh? That's what logos means. It means the reason. It means the, 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 the thoughts, the idea. Okay? It's not just word, it's not word like you know, like you speak. It means the, 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 of something
1: the, 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 the purpose, the intent, the mind, the logic. That's what it means. There. It doesn't just mean word. Okay. All right. Verse twenty uh, Sorry.
0: Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Okay. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, Jesus tells Peter, go and baptize men in the name of the father, the son, and the Holy ghost. So when you read that, you say, Hey, Jesus said it. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. That's three persons. But what happened? When Peter goes to baptize, did he go, I baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, or did he baptize them in the name of Jesus Christ? Because the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost is Jesus Christ. Okay? And John 14, verse 28, we just read that before we came onto this slide where Jesus said the Father is greater than I. So when you read that, oh, look, it says the Father is greater than I. So he and the Father must be different. He says, no, Jesus said, no, the Father and I are one. Not that we're
1: united. That's not what he's saying. It's one. There ain't no two. There certainly ain't no three. Okay? Now, scriptures are
0: games, of course. I'm partial, so I put one extra for me. Okay? So John chapter 10, verse 30, when you have time, you read that. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6, Galatians chapter 3, verse 20, Acts chapter 2, verse 38. And Acts chapter 2, verse 38, I believe, is where Peter says, I repent and be baptized in the name, you all repent and be baptized
1: in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Okay? So friends, we've, you know, we've given our own, you know, little part contribution um, toward this
0: discourse about the Trinity. Um, and whether or not the Bible does talk about a trinity or not. And you have to remember, okay, throughout the scriptures, none of the apostles ever refers to the word, never uses the word trinity. And okay, okay, so I gr- granted they might not have used that word, but they didn't even use anything close to it. They, they, they never seem to ever brought out any doctrine. In fact, have you noticed every time Paul wrote a letter,
1: he always said, Grace to you. Uh, greetings to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? There's a reason, okay? There's a reason for that. But, you know, uh, we'll stop here. Let's digest this. I'm going to
0: wait to get emails from you. Um, I'm going to wait to get um, Facebook um, um, comments from you on our Facebook page, Emerging Temple. I'll also keep my eyes out for your comments at the bottom here at the uh, on the YouTube page here. I want to see your comments. I want to discuss with you. And based on the questions that you might bring, we might have a part two of this, might go even further, okay? I want to thank you again for your time. I want to encourage you, if you've not made that decision to take time out, to have peace with God, just take a moment to talk to God and tell him, you know, that you know you want peace with him and that you believe in his son, Jesus Christ, that he died for you, that he rose from the grave for you and that you want him to make you a new person. I promise you something: the peace of God that overwhelms will overtake you, and you will have certainty that you have peace with God. It's a free gift for now. So, friends, I, I encourage you once more: like our page, share these videos with your family and friends. Um, please feel free, like I said, to go to Patreon.com, look for our handle Emerging Temple, and at Emerging Temple you you can support us. Okay, so. Keep the dialogue
1: going. I look forward to hearing from you. Until tomorrow when we upload a new video, it's goodbye.